You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Scouting the enemy here on today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I am your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Suns and the NBA for SB Nation as well as Dime Magazine, and you can follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Most importantly, though, you can follow our show on Twitter at Locked On PHX Suns, where you can follow along this crazy Western Conference semifinal series between Utah and the Clippers right along with me. And that is what we're here to talk about today. I wanted to take a moment, wait until uh, the buzzer of Game 5 in that series to recap it, just like I would a Suns game, because that is where we are as we count down the days and count down the moments until we know which of these teams will be facing the Suns in Game 1. So uh, I'm going to just go team by team here and break it down for you guys. Today's show is brought to you, though, by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it is only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment of the Week segment coming up later in the show. We'll get to that in just a sec. Uh, Let's start with Utah. The losing side, a 119-111 loss at home in Game 5 for the Jazz. Um, Really a botched opportunity, but, I mean, not even an opportunity, a botched... um, They should just win this game. Like, uh, Kawhi Leonard out and you're at home, and you have a a situation where you can go ahead and not only win this series early, but you can also push things ahead when it comes to Chris Paul and the timeline for the Suns, which I did record a bonus episode, which is why I'm not going to be covering it on this show, folks. If you want any of the news, the analysis related to Chris Paul hitting the health and safety protocol, that is where you should go. But the Jazz could have also expedited the situation there and uh, done so at home, and they lost. And they really um, blew it, frankly. They they had an opportunity coming out of halftime. They were up five and lost this game. But just to zoom in on their team a little bit, um, Bogdan Bogdanovich has been excellent in this series. 32 points, hit seven threes in the first half only two in the second half but continued he did hit a big corner three late in the game and I wouldn't say fell apart in the second half obviously the flow of the game just changes guys who get hot from deep don't always stay that way all in all though he was very solid in this game and Jordan Clarkson was pretty good as well also I think he had 14 points Wow, I'm thinking he had 14 in the first half, which is what was in my head as I was prepping to do this, but you only finished with 15. It would surprise me if you only had one in the second half, but I kind of want to trust myself and go with it. Um, Those two guys were really the leaders because Donovan Mitchell was clearly not right. Um, And that brings me to the main point. Yes, Donovan has this ankle injury that he re-aggravated earlier in this series and which he was held out of game one against Memphis to deal with and obviously missed a big chunk of the end of the regular season to rehab. Um, But because of that, four of 14 from deep, two of five from two-point range, he the air kind of came out of the Jazz offense. 
I was going, uh, kind of talking with Michael Pina of Sports Illustrated for a bit about this during the game online, and his point was Mike Conley is the missing link here, the guy that really gets the offense going when Mitchell doesn't have it, and that's probably true. Mitchell or uh, Mitch uh, <laughs> Conley had, uh, I believe, like almost a nine assists per game average against the Grizzlies. But what what was left when Mitchell couldn't just hit those bombed threes off of the bounce like he is known to do in this game it was really just a lot of nothing a lot of nothing on offense yes they were able to get the ball moving in that first half but in the second half it was you know if something wasn't there in transition if they did not have an open three early in the shot clock they were likely to not do much of anything with the ball it was seeking out mismatches it was Ingles and Mitchell trying to um, isolate against Luke Kennard or even um, Reggie Jackson at times and and just go at those guys. It just didn't work. I mean, that's any Suns fan will know that's the trick that the Clippers play on you, right? They, they can grind the game down by switching, by having, having a perceived lack of size and as far as rim protection. They kind of coax you into, if I can just get you know, canard on an island, then I'm going to be able to do some damage. And that just isn't really true. They make up for it with, A, they don't really have any weak links defensively. Is canard the closest thing? Sure, but, you know, I think his team defense and his off-ball defense is probably worse. I think as, a, as an individual, you know, get me on an island and see what I can do type of guy, he has decent size for a guard and he's at least a veteran enough player where he's going to compete and use his body and everything else. I don't think he is some rollover in terms of, you know, a undersized guy or somebody who just doesn't even try. There's very few of those players left at this point in the postseason on these teams. So that was a mistake on, on the part of the jazz and whether it's Conley, whether it's, you know, just Mitchell, playing a little bit more efficiently when if there is a night his shot is not going in you know he probably doesn't feel comfortable driving to the basket right now and finishing but can he become more of a distributor can they do some of the quick hitting stuff in transition a little bit more often and you know run offense I mean it it sounds very simplistic but they just were not doing that and they have a lot of guys like Clarkson and Ingles where their main their main value to the team is aggressiveness and a quick trigger, but there were just times where they should have probably played a little bit more patiently. They were bailed out in the second half when they did score, largely by Rudy Gobert's offensive rebounding. I think he had three straight possessions where he was able to get putbacks. So if you take away that, you take away um, some of the threes that that did go in. There was just not a lot of like getting into the paint, finishing getting easy offense at all in that second half. The Jazz also, as a team, shot just 70% from the free throw line. So look, their offense does not look good. And one last note on them that I would just want to hit, and it does apply from a Suns perspective because we just saw this happen with Michael Porter Jr. Royce Royce O'Neal was um, exposed in this game. Uh, You know, a player where when it's Bogdanovich, Ingles, Mitchell, and Clarkson, on the floor or, you know, combination of those guys and Gobert, then, you know, it's pretty easy. It's a pretty easy choice to say, 
O'Neill is the guy we're going to dare to beat us. I actually thought Greg Anthony, who was the the color commentator today, had a really good point where the Clippers did a good job doubling Mitchell. That obviously is part of why he struggled as well. And the Jazz, for whatever reason, often had O'Neal up at the top of the key as the, I think Anthony called him like the decision maker out of that double team. We see Mikhail Bridges do that a lot when it's Booker getting trapped for the Suns. And O'Neal's just not the type of player who you want in that spot. I think that was a real mistake by Utah to put him there. He turned the ball over a couple of times or um, just struggled to make the right decision. And then just as a shooter was two of eight. I just from deep. I think that's the obvious play here. He's the guy to leave open. Not that he's not going to make them occasionally, but when the options again are the, the rest of this roster who are clearly more scary as shooters, it's 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 the right decision to leave him. And in this game, it was it was by far the right decision. And on the other side, he was the guy who got the Paul George matchup. I would think he would be the guy who would get the Devin Booker matchup if these teams matched up. And he fouled out. Paul George got to the free throw line 11 times, had 16 rebounds, was excellent, and I'll get to him on the other side of the break, but O'Neal was just um, kind of a puppet to what George was trying to do, whether that was in elbow isolation situations, whether that was driving, whether that was just the kind of uh, petty fighting that we saw between those two all game. It was uh, it was an exposure of O'Neal in a pretty bad way, so um, you know, may, they don't really have a lot of other options because Niang didn't look great either. You know, maybe there's a, a way to put Clarkson in there for O'Neal and have either Ingles or Mitchell take Paul George for spurts. I think Mie Oni, to be completely honest, is actually a decent option. I, I've always liked him as a player. I think as a, a change of pace option there, they could try it, but they just did not have the answers offensively. And uh, George was able to take advantage of their defense time and again. So that's the Jazz side of things. We'll get to the Clippers side of things as well. I also want to get to late, late, late in the show to close things out what the chaos around the NBA told us, especially the coaching changes and the the kind of uh, infighting going on around the Western Conference. But first, it's time for our Ultra Moment of the Week brought to you by Michelob Ultra. This week, the Suns haven't played, but I think uh, it's pretty obvious to me I'll use it because it did come after we recorded our last show last week, and it was the the celebration at the airport for these Suns players, coaches, owner, even Robert Sarver. Although he was, uh, I think, a little in a little bit more of a hurry to get back to bed and did not stand up and and coax the crowd quite as much. But I think a lot of the folks who were there will never forget that moment. I know I will not. It, it inspired me that I'm definitely going to be out there if and when there is a uh, path to the finals that materializes for this team. Tons of joy to go around. I brought Catherine Fitzgerald on from the Arizona Republic to talk about it this week, so check out that show as well. Um, Just, I mean, the, the kids, but not even just the kids, the people who have waited this long and who have been fans for this team a long time, fans of this team for a long time, uh, were happy, and you could clearly tell um, that they were just again, uh, enjoying the heck out of this ride like we all have been and to get to go be around those players in a way that, look, we just have not been able to do because of COVID for a long time. So it is only worth it if you enjoy it, folks. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. And that is courtesy of Michelob Ultra. 
Let's hit the Clippers side of things before we transition to some of the NBA craziness to close out the show. Um, look, give it up to Paul George, 37 points, 16 rebounds, like I said, and five assists. Just a, an all-time performance. Um, I saw a tweet that was actually getting mocked, frankly, um, saying, you know, PG can have his Kevin Durant moment right after what we saw KD do when his superstar teammates went down scoring nearly 50 points and getting the job done in the win. Paul George, you know, I don't think anyone will confuse him for Kevin Durant, but he stepped up in about as similar a way as as anyone could possibly have hoped for. Played 40 minutes, fouled out his primary defender in O'Neal, like I was discussing prior to the break, and was just excellent. Um, the other player to highlight here, though, is Reggie Jackson, 22 points, and I, I just a player I've never believed in. I mean, I think there were even times when we were on this show thinking about who the point guard could be, where it was like, you know, Detroit wants to get off of this guy. Could it be worth a flyer for the Suns just to get a body in here? Somebody who's played in the league, has experience, can score. Um, and I just was never on board with it. I just did not think of him as a winning player. He's proving people wrong. So I think, you know, and then the other guy would be Morris, who scored 25. Suns fans know his game. And he was just, you know, he's going to have nights where shots go in. That's really what we saw today. I think from a from a, a big picture perspective, or what what Suns fans should be thinking about in the next um, in the next round is that they can just do it in so many ways. I mean, I talked about in the first segment about how they can really slow the game down, make it an ISO battle, and and we saw that when the Suns took them on this year. I mean, it was really the story of each of those games. I thought the second game in particular between these two teams was a really bad sign for the Suns when, you know, Marcus Morris was able to defend DeAndre Ayton down low and nobody really had an answer for Paul George, all that stuff. They they make you play the game on their terms. We're seeing that against Utah where Donovan Mitchell is is taking bad shots and, you know, their their offensive mojo is kind of going away. That obviously will continue, but they are I think finding some things offensively where they the story all year, all year long right was this team doesn't have the offensive identity they don't have chemistry and maybe some of that's still true they only had 17 assists tonight on 41 made shots it's not as if they are just playing you know beautiful game spursian basketball all of a sudden but they know how to create threes paul george is relentless and very very good attacking the basket off of switches even you know on a guy like o'neal he, he's excellent doing that. And, you know, Jackson filling in the gaps, whether that's as a shooter, pull up or spot up, whether that is as an attacker himself, he's, they're, they're very good. I, I feel like they've gotten a little bit more um, developed as far as their transition attack offensively. They had just nine fast break points tonight, but they did push the pace, I thought, pretty well. And that was a lot of where they were able to get guys like Jackson, Mann, Etc. Beverly, um, some easy buckets to 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 make things easier on Paul George, and Terrence Mann is this weird part of this who's basically starting in a pseudo center type of role, a la Bruce Brown, Lou Dort. These these kind of wings who can't shoot who end up becoming big men in their own way because of their defensive versatility. Now, I think Mann is sometimes a detriment to this team. He'll take bad shots. He's overly confident. 
But then, you know, he'll lock down on defense on a guy like Mitchell for a few possessions. He'll throw a dunk down on Rudy Gobert. So I guess my general point would be, um, if Kawhi's not healthy, I would think the Suns would be pretty clearly favorites, but this team is not just Kawhi and the gang, right? And so um, they proved that tonight. It wasn't just George. They had two other starters go for 20-plus. Their bench hardly gave them anything quite frankly. They're leaning into this small ball identity. They know what they are. Guys like Batum and Morris are more than capable taking up space, filling space, protecting uh, the the paint and the floor in help situations. They are in their own way finding this identity that's working for them. And then obviously you bring Kawhi in, he adds more of that playmaking, even more um, ground he can fill defensively. And, and obviously then somebody else who could take the Booker matchup, take the Chris Paul matchup, and all the rest. It's hard to say where where Kawhi is. It seems like you could either imagine that he um, you know, misses the rest of the playoffs, or maybe he's back in time for Game 1 or even Game 7. I, I, it's just his injury situation has always been so murky. You never know if this ACL injury was something that was always there that they were hiding, or now it's just out in the open and um, he's he's going to have to miss a couple of games just to deal with it, or is it something serious? It's it's just really hard to tell, but um, props to this Clippers team. Man, Canard, these guys who have stepped up in the playoffs add a new dimension to their team, and uh, they're getting it from everywhere. They're kind of peaking at the right time, which is probably the number one thing to be scared of for them, that they're, again, finding that identity, finding these other guys to contribute when, you know, other teams are, are kind of on their way down <clears throat> Milwaukee. Um, so that's that's where we are with LA. We'll get to uh, the rest of this craziness because I do want to talk about we had Dallas, New Orleans. Um, both have changes. We had Washington move on from Scott Brooks. And then we had uh, the injuries, which, you know, I talked about Kawhi, I talked about Chris Paul in the bonus episode. So I want to focus in on, on sort of the, the leadership changes and what it means for the Suns and just putting into context how appreciative I think the Suns fan base and community should be that we have not those issues for once. Um, So let's get to that in just one second. But first, a quick word from Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's pretty impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. So why endure often pointless or intimidating questioning like, well, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand that their warehouse happens to carry, which, you know, obviously tends to be the pricey one. So you have a computer and access to rockauto.com. Well, then you have an easier path right in your pocket. Save time and money when you use Rock Auto. They are a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years They do not even require an account or a subscription or anything like that to log in. They know what people want who are shopping for car parts. That is cheap, that is quick, and that is easy. They do it all for you. And whether it's something as complicated as a brake part that you might need to search for a little harder or something simple like a new carpet for that driver or passenger seat to uh, make things prettier, you will find it at Rock Auto. Go explore their easy-to-use website to find the solution for your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Today's show also brought to you by betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way 
to bet on all your favorite sports action. Maybe, maybe you're keeping up with celebrity boxing. Maybe you're so inspired by Lamar Odom's just complete domination over Aaron Carter, who I did not know was doing that type of thing. And you feel like there is just no way but to um, continue to ride that wave. Maybe pick Lamar Odom. But I also have a bet online bet of the day for you guys. And it is the Connecticut Sun for the WNBA title. They are depleted right now. They are without John Quill Jones. They do not have Alyssa Thomas, who at times has been maybe their best player over the past few seasons, but they're looking good. And it feels like they're just this time, this team where it's their time. So they are plus 700 over at Bet Online. Go to WNBA, go to Basketball Futures, and they are right there for you. Plus 700, hit that one. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Head to betonline.ag on the web or on their mobile app. Make an account today and use the promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. Again, that's promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Closing out the show here with uh, just a brief overview of some of the other NBA news that doesn't directly pertain to the Suns. So we have all these injuries, whether that's Kawhi, the COVID protocol for Chris Paul, obviously the Nets injuries and everything else. We also had a lot of upheaval in the front office and coaching ranks. So I wanted to get to that in just a second. I did want to remind everybody, though, that our Road to the Finals coverage this month is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. And part of what's making me enjoy this run from the Suns perspective is the stability because we saw Scott Brooks and Stan Van Gundy both lose their jobs today. We saw Donnie Nelson, the long, long, long time Dallas Mavericks general manager, step down after a story earlier this week in The Athletic from Tim Cato and Sam Amick that basically laid out how since drafting Luka, but really especially this season from the from the sound of it, that um, Heralibus Vulgaris, who most people will know as a former Bill Simmons podcast guest, is, has taken on this sort of shadow GM, kind of really overstepping role, it seems, in that organization, leading Nelson to feel disempowered, frustrated, and done. And he is, you know, a little older and everything else, so um, maybe it just wasn't worth it for him anymore. But at the end of the day, he is gone, and it's fascinating. I mean, I, I don't know how diff- disappointed Suns fans will be necessarily um, to hear that the franchise that drafted Luca is struggling. Probably not at all, as DeAndre Ayton really breaks out in these playoffs, and the 2018 draft looks far, far better than it did uh, maybe this, you know last year when we were watching a suspension and an ankle sprain and all the rest. But just from the Mavericks side, I, it's just kind of crazy to step back and think like the, the franchises that you think of being the most stable somehow, you know, they can, they can go through their own turmoil and you would never have guessed that a, a, a team that has the second most um, experience or not experienced longest tenured head coach in the NBA behind Eric Spolstra in Rick Carlisle, who had a general manager in Donnie Nelson, who had been there for, I believe, 24 years, who learned from his father and and took over and created this international scouting department that's been much, much ballyhooed over the years, um, and that they would have this kind of chaos agent in 
Volgaris come in and break things up is it's just a testament to, I guess, you know, not to get too corny, but I really do think it's a testament to James Jones and Monty Williams, their focus on culture from the moment that they got hired here being uh, valuable and important and and the right way to prioritize things because, you know, you can get the opportunity to trade for Chris Paul. You can have the the exception available at your disposal to go out and sign A.J. Crowder, but those guys are not going to care to do that, nor are they going to stay long-term and continue to be part of your organization if you don't have the stability that, that is requisite to keep them. So it's not to say Luca's leaving. It's not to say... The Mavs are going away as a threat in the West. You have a generational player like that. You're going to stick around, but, um, you know, no GM. They're going to apparently have a search firm and all this. It's like, well, you just got rid of a guy who is very, very widely praised in the NBA and has done a lot of good things for your franchise. I'm not sure what the search firm is going to find that you didn't just get rid of, right? It's like, it's it's just sort of wild to, to step back and think about. Um, and so you know, I'm not going to say James Jones will be here for 24 years. I'm not even going to say he's a better GM than Donnie Nelson. I don't even know about any of those things. All I'm saying is when we hear the the Suns talk about culture and, you know, it can feel a little bit, you know, pie in the sky or very ethereal sometimes. It's not. I really think you have to at least have one foot in that, um, that lane to feel stable as a franchise because it only takes one Haralabob to change things. It only takes, you know, the owner having someone new in his ear for things to go sideways. On the coaching side, Brooks, I think it was his time to go, but the San Van Gundy thing interests me because he was only here for one year. And it, it, it's not unlike what we saw the Suns try to do for quite a long time. You know, it it feels maybe, uh, I know there's not a perfect comp because I was going to say Jeff Hornacek, you know, he was more of a first-time coach, but just how important it is to nail the coaching hire. I actually think we properly reacted to the Monty hire at the time. I mean, I remember listening to, for some reason, I have this memory of listening to Bickley and Murata that day over at 98.7, and they were just over the moon talking about how, you know, they stole him out from under the Lakers and they they got their guy and the stability that he would bring, the respectability that he would bring. And all those things have really paid off. So I think we knew it when we saw it, but obviously finishing second in in the media coach of the year, finishing first in the associate coaches union coach of the year. All of that stuff proves that he is still widely respected, but now these wins and uh, this playoff run proving that the work has been done. So you would have thought, right, that San Van Gundy would have been an example of that stability. If nothing else, he's experienced, he's smart. He was a trailblazer in this league and they didn't get it right. And you know, now they're in a situation in New Orleans similar to what the Suns went through with Booker, where you have this special, special player, Zion, even more special than Booker at his young age. And you're going to be at coach number three in season number three for your young superstar. And so I, I just seeing all of these things where it's like Stan Van Gundy got fired. That guy is, you know, complete pro, a consummate professional. If you listen to him at all on TNT last year in the bubble, you know, he's a genius and he was the guy they brought in to be the um, the the culture creator and the the experienced sage guy, just like Monty. And they and they got it wrong. Donnie Nelson, the one of the longest tenure GMs in the entire NBA, he's he's out because things can change so quickly. The NBA is crazy, 
and uh, things do, again, change very quickly here, but the Suns seem to have their duo who have led this team to success and get along and have the respect and the ear of the players, have the um, pride and the respect of the fan base, and at least for right now, things are very much looking up. It's not a given in this league, but uh, I don't think there's any reason to feel anything but ecstatic about where things are for this franchise right now. So from a Suns angle, that was where my head was at. I imagine I was not the only one. And more basketball to come, more news likely to come. We'll have another media availability with players and coaches tomorrow on Thursday when you are listening to this. And I'll keep it coming for you guys. Hope you enjoyed the bonus episode. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And I will be back right away on Friday morning.